I'm Priya Volchi. I'm Winona Guo. We're the co-founders of Choose and co-authors of Tell Me Who You Are. And this is Two Dope Teachers at a Mic. Yeah. Oh, That's me? Oh, I'm so, <laughs> pointing at my box and I was like, I love oh, that yeah. name. That's oh, right. My name, my name is John Arthur. And you are back here on Two Dope Teachers in a Mic. Folks, um, you are not hearing Kevin's silky, beautiful voice that we all have come to uh, love and, um, and get excited for. Uh, Ke- Kevin is out today. We have a sub. And That's we right. want to talk a little bit about the uh, behavior that we have to um, that we have to show when there is a sub, because mm-hmm. John, as you know, a sub is a real is a real get, is a real host. That's They're right, host. absolutely. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the expectations of our audience with a sub. What, well, so are, are you wanting me to lay it down? Yeah, I want am you to lay I, it am down. Am I supposed John. to come in and like just tell everybody exactly? Okay, that's right. Here's how tell them how it is. Tell right. the audience how because you know they'll be feeling some type of way. They're like, "Oh, it's a sub. We can do whatever we want in this episode." Well, that's that's an intimidating thing because I'm I'm not just a sub. I'm a longtime listener. I'm, I'm that's a right. Fan, and, and so that's I'm right. coming in both as as somebody who's been in that seat listening, and I, I know what I like. I know what I like to hear from the host, and I also that's right. know what I expect right now as a as a participant in this conversation. I. I I, I want everyone to make sure that they're having fun. I want yeah. to make sure that everybody is is ready to not only learn from our guests today, that's right, but also that's right. to grow as human beings themselves, to to open themselves up to the opportunity to to grow in this conversation. Man, I couldn't I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, and Loki, I feel like you're coming for my job. But here, so the deal. <laughs> so go. so you know, okay, audience. Um, we expect you to be on your dopest behavior. All right. Mm-hmm. We expect you to bring the dopeness hard, like yep. 100%. If you are not your normal dope selves, John Arthur, 2021 Utah Teacher of the Year and national finalist for National Teacher of the Year in our year, uh, the 2021s, uh, is going to leave a report for Kevin. And Kevin will hear about this. Okay? It's true. So, but I'll be honest. I like to leave those positive reports. I like to let right. I like to let Kevin know, hey, man. Everything went down exactly as it should have. I was really proud of everybody who participated. And uh, you should be uh, finding some kind way of showing your audience how much you appreciate them. I love it. Pizza party or ice cream, whatever feels good to you. That's right. Yeah, a good report means uh, double points and a pizza party uh, for our listeners. So listen, uh, if you are coming to the podcast for the first time, you are hearing us for the first time, we are Two Dope Teachers and a mic. We are remixing the conversation on race, power, and education. I am in Denver, Colorado, the 303. Kevin is also here he's like he's actually you know it's really hilarious he's actually teaching right now is as we speak <laughs> down the hall because he's I'm doing in the my work. old school yeah he's doing the work um john arthur is in utah 
That's right. Utah, Salt Lake right? City. Yeah. Salt Lake yep. City, Utah, 2021 uh, Utah Teacher of the Year. I like to call him Sunshine. Uh, Sunshine is <laughs> um, it's because he brings the light wherever he goes. Like whenever I hear this man's voice, whenever I get to be in his presence, I just get happy. And, you know, John, you remember our year in 2021. I was not mm -hmm. happy that often, but in your presence, always, always happy. And uh, John has graciously um, agreed to guest host today. But if you are new to the show, um, you can find us on social media, um, Instagram and Twitter at Two Dope Teachers, Facebook.com for your auntie, uh, www.facebook.com slash Two Dope Teachers and a mic. If you want to email us, listen, we answer emails. And by we, I mean me. Um, <laughs> two dope teachers at gmail.com and, uh, podcasting isn't free y'all. So if you have any interest in supporting the podcast for as little as $5 a month, you can go to patreon.com slash two dope teachers, excuse me. Oh, shout out to the mustard stain on my shirt. That's amazing. <laughs> it's been that the kind of you day. can always appreciate on the podcast. <laughs> out i know um you know so you can always support us for five dollars a month at the 15 a month level you get a two dope nation sticker man those are dope they were designed by local street artist sham we are not giving you uh their real name uh because we don't know if we have any cops listening like real talk like who knows people mm. go and find the information um so yeah we've been out here a little bit and um i'm like super excited to introduce our guest my computer yes. is tripping what is <laughs> happening okay here we go it does this weird thing where it freezes randomly or not freezes but like locks screen it's bizarre uh -huh. um so want to uh welcome whitney aragaki educator parent learner from hilo hawaii I'm trying to say things correctly she supports students to learn through a lens of abundance that honors peace people and cultures. Her teaching focuses around conversations, practices, and systems that sustain the intimate interrelationship of public education, community, and environment. Aragaki is the 2022 Hawaii State Teacher of the Year and National Teacher of the Year finalist. She's a National Board Certified Teacher in Adolescence and Young Adulthood Mathematics. Whitney, welcome to Aloha. Two Teachers and a Mic. Aloha, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well. You know, this might be a first in a very long time in uh, the Two Dope Teachers in a Mic uh, universe is that all three of us are in a school. Like, like y'all are in your classrooms because you are committed. Uh, yeah. Like, I know, Whitney, you're a few hours behind us, so I understand. Like, <gasps> sunshine. It's like Cinco de Mayo, almost four o'clock. Oh, I tell you what, it, you know... I'm I'm taking my wife out this weekend. It's our oh, see. anniversary. She just got her MBA. Like I'm I'm gonna do it up. Oh wow! As teachers, you got You gotta get all your work done so that you can enjoy yourself. Because I don't want to be at dinner tonight thinking, oh man, I got some <laughs> papers to read. No, you definitely don't no. need to be thinking about no. that at all. Um, but Whitney's I'm making actually... us look bad, man. Like like we may be at work, but she like she's got a classroom behind her, but she has brought like life and, and yeah so culture to that space so we don't have a video show so uh when can you talk to us about the about what you were wearing for us sure um today we are celebrating may day in hawaii it's a really big celebration to honor culture and and it's always been in may i'm not sure what the may 
aspect is, but I also think it's after testing. So yes. we're able to party a little bit <laughs> hey, if more. If there's any other reason to celebrate <laughs> for real, after testing is a good reason. Yeah. So May Day is Lady in Hawaii and we celebrate all our cultures. And here we are. I am wearing a lepo'o, which means a lay on the head. It is made uh, out of it's made out of tea leaf, which is very commonly found in Hawaii. And mm. I was just making it. I was like actually crafting it the other day while going through some end of course um, procedures <laughs> for my students. I'm like ripping tea leaf, and they're just like they're just jumping along with me. And it's like it's really great when we're able to make things, do things, learn mm. things, and do everything all together. Um, and I had to dress the part too, so I am dressed in. Um, a Hawaiian designer, a dress from the Hawaiian designer, Mana Ola. It's amazing. Love it. No, this is really cool. Um, I'm wearing a Mexican soccer jersey with mustard on it, uh, much less glamorous. It, it was really funny. I put this on Instagram today um, for those of you who follow. And uh, so a white colleague saw me wearing this Mexican jersey and they're like, wow, love that jersey. That's amazing. So cool. Happy single de Mayo. I see a Mexicano and he's like, that team is trash. Why are you wearing that? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> so he's like, Selección Nacional, like national team, Depresión Nacional, uh -huh. like national depression. And, you know, honestly, yeah, the, the team struggled in the 2022 World Cup. I think a lot of it was because it was in November. Like, that's not right. And, yeah. um, you know, but whatever. So yeah, that's a little contrast, but um, I'm in, I'm actually in the school that I, that I worked in for 16 years today. And uh, those of you who followed what I've been doing, I left the classroom at the end of last year, and now I am working in Denver Public School Central Office. And uh, we have this really cool tradition um, at this school. I still say we, um, I grew up here, you know, I was John's yeah. age when I started here years ago. And, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you know, um, we do these senior portfolio presentations and, you know, seniors reflect and, and it's like kind of messy, right? Like, turns out that when you choose not to reduce students to data points or GPAs or academic resumes, when you actually ask them to bring themselves into their reflections, it doesn't always fit together perfectly. Um, but it, it's just such a beautiful thing. And it's like, it's one of those things. I still don't miss teaching. I don't miss teaching. Um, no. but, um, but it was really cool to be home. Yeah, no, John, I'm not going back. Like, I'm not yeah. going back. It's just I, not I, a thing that's I knew that you weren't going back, but I thought that maybe just being in the building, seeing the student work, it might, it might tug a little bit. My, my, I mean, it, it's interesting. And both of you, um, both of you made it to heights that I didn't make it to as a state teacher of the year. But I think even for me, you know, part of what opened up the, the door of, of, um, of my, work in my career was getting kind of a bird's eye view of what was going on with the profession nationally. So like, I knew my classroom really, really well, knew my school fairly well, but only because I stayed here so long, had a vague understanding that there were other schools in the district, <laughs> right? Um, but now after like meeting you, John, in our cohort and all the other mm -hmm. folks, we have that great Four Corners picture that you sent me with, uh, you know, with Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and New Mexico all together. And, you know, it started to open up the understanding that there are larger systemic things that are out there. And I'm starting mm -hmm. to really enjoy that world. Um, the other thing I want to name, I don't think I named this, is that um, 
during the month of May, which is identified, th this is complex. And actually, we're going to, I'm going to have uh, Whitney talk about this a little bit. So um, w social media tells us that it's called AAPI Heritage Month, right? Mm -hmm. It's a, uh, it's a month to recognize and celebrate the heritage and contributions of Asian American Pacific Islanders. And then, and Whitney and in, in a reply to a message I sent her about being on the show was like, oh, sure, I would love to participate in something for AANHDPI Heritage Month. Um, and it just kind of shows that we get into this complexity. So we're trying to elevate the stories of folks who identify as AAPI um, and H, and then I was also told SA is another one. Um, and so trying to upli uplift those stories. So Whitney, you wanna talk a little bit about why the nuance and why the complexity? Sure. Um, I think that it's very important, especially that we are in the United States. Um, you know, I think that it's easy to just see an umbrella AAPI because that is the census way of defining the when we put into the census and we finally had more people than less than a percent shoved into one census category of Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders, then Yes, that's the, the first umbrella or the, I think I remember in college, it was like Asian Pacific American uh -huh. um, yeah. Heritage Month. I was, I participated mm -hmm. in those things and that there's a lot of nuance to what is a Pacific American. Um, I think I was also in college <laughs> in the Pacific time where American, we're yeah. taking away the, we're taking away the dash or the hyphen between Asian dash American. Like that yeah. was the time that I was going through college and going through like a lot of identity unpackings for myself. Like, what does a dash mean? Or what does a hyphen mean? What is what is Asian American Pacific Islander? And now really honoring that we are in the United States and the United States did colonize Hawaii. So we better be talking about Native Hawaiians when talking yeah. about Asian Americans and um, the greater Pacific. Um, so that's something that I just, I just really feel impassioned for, especially being from Hawaii and wanting to make sure that I represent the root culture that is here. And... You know, I, I don't know, John, did you get to watch the the White House Forum on Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, and Pacific Islanders recently? I, I did not. I, I okay. saw posts. I saw yeah. folks taking photos. My sister is, uh, <laughs> so I'm biracial. I'm I'm half Korean, half um, just Virginia, good old boy soldier. My I mean, we can say white. Military. We can say white. <laughs> yeah, well, like, but, I'm but half he, Mexican, he has half a, white. He has like, a more it, dynamic uh, Oh, uh, I see. You know, he was a... <laughs> He's from the South. He was a soldier, met my mother in Korea. And so I have a, I have a little sister. She got to go to the white house okay. and, and attend some of those events. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. But, but tell like, us, tell us the, what, tell so us in what this happened. Four hour, in this four hour event that was being televised um, at some point, Jeannie Mai, a celebrity, mm -hmm. Asian American identified celebrity had interjected on one of the speakers who's saying like use the hashtag AA and HPI and she had said, no one's going to remember that. Just use hashtag Asian heritage. And that was a clear erasure on an Asian American's part of the Pacific identity. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I want to be very clear that we are talking about Asian Americans, Native Hawaiians, and all Pacific Islanders when talking about this because of the imperialism that occurred in the yeah. Pacific. If we're talking yeah. about this for America. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, and, and that's incredibly important because then what it does is it forces a conversation about, well, what what does that mean, actually? And especially mm -hmm. one of the things, one of the pieces that you wrote that I thought was really amazing, um, and we'll we'll link this on um, on the episode page, but there's a piece on Ed Surge about um, 
about people of color like really accepting the history of settler colonialism and and what that all has meant and how like I feel like all three of us on this call we sort of straddle the border um the borders between uh conquered and conqueror and I think that's kind of interesting so mm -hmm. yeah. um but John's going to take us back a little bit we're going we're going to go to briefly to uh Whitney Argaki's um origin story right John Am I? I apologize. Oh, no, it's good. Notes? Ask her how she started teaching. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> thank you. Thank Did you. Did you read the you. lesson plan set out? I'm just wondering. I, I read it. Well, I, know, didn't, I didn't see where the like. Subs, the subs don't um, always read the plans. Um, well, this is, this, okay. is a, this is a tricky situation as a sub. Like It is. Can you imagine how, how much pressure there would be if you were subbing, but the teacher's in the room? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and the teacher's is like, now execute the lesson plan. Yes. And just watching you do it. <laughs> so Whitney. This is teacher candidacy right here. That's no, it is, I was this is say. like, yeah, I, maybe, maybe it's more accurate to say that you're our, uh, you're our intern or you're doing your field experience right you now. You know what? I, something I'm, on those lines. I'm, no, I'm I, I apologize. And you here. know what? Ke nope. And Kevin, I, I'm going to call out Kevin real quick because Kevin will <laughs> leave you a detailed lesson plan and expect you to teach it. And I'm like, bro, mm -hmm. like some, sometimes it's your own people. I'm telling you like, sometimes. right. Right. So, well, so, yeah. let me let me actually, if you don't mind, I just want to say something because Whitney, what you were just talking about, like it it's it sparked this idea in the back of my mind that's actually been weighing on me as a as a you know Asian American uh, male teacher in an elementary school. We fall into like less than a percent of all educators, me and all my all my fellows out there, and when when they choose to reduce and collect the the people from the largest landmass on the planet along with the all the the beautifully diverse cultures that you find in the pacific into the largest one ocean mm -hmm. yeah exactly the largest ocean all it of is sudden, a sudden ocean i support that statement. yeah they they say look there's not that many of you it's like yeah present here we may not proportionally represent so much but we bring our people with us and if you look behind us there is just a sea of humanity that doesn't quite fit in the door, but you keep insisting that we are all somehow the same, lumped together, so on and so forth. And, and you, you fail to see just how dynamic and, 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 and brilliant the cultures that we're all bringing with us, but also how unique they are. And I, I'm super curious, one, how you ended up in the classroom, but two, how you throughout your career have brought your your histories your identities like all your people into the classroom with you yeah wow great question okay John. great so question the villain origin story. let's go love it love it let's go let's yeah go. um so sitting here in my classroom right now i'm at waiakeo high school on hawaii island i attended this school so i am i have been at this geographic location for nearly all of my life and not only did I attend Waikia High School where I teach, my mother was also a teacher at Waikia High School and she was my biology teacher. And now being a biology teacher myself, it feels very full circle. And yeah. it's almost like I'm able to honor my parents through my profession. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever wanted to be a teacher, especially because so much of my family, so many of my family members were teachers as Asian Americans, as Asians in Hawaii and across the continent, right? There's there's that level of a bamboo ceiling that we see, not only the glass ceiling for women to 
um, actualize very high careers, but also for Asians who are very, who are seen as very complicit to systemic structures. Mm-hmm. So as an Asian in the classroom, I, I reckon with that, I challenge that, and I think about what my positionality is as a teacher every single day moving forward. So what do I do when I bring in my identity to the classroom? I am, of course, um, impassioned to share with my students, to share with my colleagues, to share with the community that I am a gose. A gose means that it's a fifth generation um, Japanese person, diasporic to Japan. So five, five generations in in Hawaii. I am a descendant of settlers. I am also a descendant of um, military veterans. I am a descendant of um, the 442nd Infantry Battalion. I am a descendant of those who were um, incarcerated in Japanese American um, incarceration camps on the continent. All of these things have have, um, empowered me as an individual, but I also recognize that I am a Japanese in Hawaii. And the Japanese in Hawaii have had clear privilege in the Democratic Party, clear privilege in in economics and politics and so many different things so that when my students see me, I have to also wonder what is the traumas and what is the harms that I am doing by just standing in the classroom. And so doing that every single day, I'm unpacking and reckoning with my identity. And I want to make sure that as my children grow up as sixth generation Japanese Americans, as um, as people in Hawaii, like that they honor that the root culture is Hawaiian, that it is Polynesian, that it is from the Pacific, and that we we bring in our Asian cultures, we honor it, but at the same time, there's no way we can go back. There's no, I don't have any family in Japan. So when when we hear things on the continent, like just go back where you came from, like I don't really have anywhere that I am, I can say that I am from. I am neither from Japan, I am neither from Hawaii. As, right. as generationally. So there's so many different things that I can think about when talking about what is my identity and what do I bring in the classroom every day? The, oh, wow. This, this is, this is, what, this is um, <laughs> the loss for words, uh, which never happens. Um, th- this is just really enlightening and um, eye-opening because I think, you know, there are similar dynamics you know, here in where I am in Colorado, where I, where I grew up. Um, but I think the, the notion that, that you, that you navigate these, these spaces where in some places you are, you have the experience of a person who is marginalized in other spaces, you have the experience of a person who is privileged. Does that come up in really direct ways with students and families, or is that something that operates more generally um, in 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 Hawaii, where you live? Um, I think that it comes up in indirectly, and I try to make the I'm trying to make it very explicit. Like if you I didn't don't... believe I was in a school. Like there, there it is, right there. There's the proof. <laughs> And bells are going off here. <laughs> like, oh, it's all over. It's like, you're like, is that, <laughs> that, is that my school? school? <laughs> it's like we're all podcasting from school. We're all that's it. Feelings. That's it. Yeah. This is life. 
Mm -hmm. And in life, there are no bells. So I don't understand why we're <laughs> still having- I'll tell you, okay, this is hilarious. Bells, but okay. I, I had a friend who uh, actually taught with me here who graduated college and then went to the Peace Corps and taught in Lesotho, right? And so she was teaching there came back here to be and taught like four years in outdoor ed which so up in the mountains and so she was like an eight or nine year veteran the first time she heard a bell and she's like what the hell was that <laughs> like, is somebody's phone what is that it's like Kirsten it's a bell it's just a bell it's a bell it's okay <laughs> so it's fun stuff so 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 you're talking about how these how these things sorry this is like this is like school right like yeah exactly. things have, exactly. like absolutely out this door and this kid went like running by like like that's something you will always <laughs> see in a school is a child sprinting down the hall for no apparent mm -hmm. reason yeah you um, just gotta look at their face real quick is this good or bad <laughs> you're like what are we doing should i be running after are we you? fleeing the, or are we running forward yeah exactly I love it. But but sort of occupying that that space where you recognize that there is privilege. Um, and and so you're talking a little bit about how students may react to you as fifth generation Japanese on the island. Absolutely. And I can bring in numbers to this. And of course, that's just going to proliferate this Asian American model minority myth. But like there's <laughs> there's a numbers, right, that two percent of all teachers in the United States identify as Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific yeah. Islander. Two percent. Yeah. And however, in Hawaii, nearly 25% of teachers identify as Japanese. Do mm. you break that down? That's like one fourth of the teaching cadre is Japanese yeah. in Hawaii. Interesting. Man. If I look at the numbers, about nine to 10% of teachers identify as Native Hawaiian. 25% mm. Japanese, 10% right. um, Native Hawaiian. And then you just swap those numbers. You literally swap those numbers for what our student population is. Man. Man, that's surrealist. So, well, yes, there are amazing, there are amazing teachers of all, of all backgrounds. Yes, for sure. It is so mm -hmm. important for us to amplify the experiences of our Native Hawaiian and Pacific Islander youth to ensure that they become the teaching cadre, that they mm -hmm. also see opportunities beyond the classroom. As much as we don't want to say like, oh, you know, go be amazing, but also be amazing in the classrooms too. Yeah. So absolutely. we're working really hard with growing our own teaching um, initiatives and building out building out teachers that look like our students. That's yeah. fascinating that that's happening in Hawaii the same way that it's happening here on the mainland. I know that Gerardo, you do this not so much of my work outside the classroom, especially since being a state teacher of the year, is growing, you know, teaching forces from within our communities, getting our kids yeah. to see themselves ideally as future teachers. And, and just tapping into the, the incredible talent pool that we have among our adults in our community to get them to go back to school or do whatever they've got to do to come back into our classrooms as teachers. And it's, it's amazing to me that, that to, you know, Hawaii is, is fairly far removed. And, and yet I've also had the same conversation with some teachers in, in Asia and other places where whether it's um, the, the racial identity or like the caste identification or whatever it may be, trying to get people who reflect the student population to be those who, who teach them. It, this, is, this is a problem all over the place. And I, I don't know if I can fully wrap my head around why. And I know Gerardo, yeah. you probably have a whole lot to say on this. I also I'd think, love to I also, learn from you on it. 
But well, Whitney's further along in a PhD program than I am. So I, uh-huh. I feel like Whitney also has things to, to offer there. No, I, I, th- I think you're right. And I think, you know, in my district, we've been doing this grow your own model, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, how do we find the people who are already working in our classrooms, usually as paraeducators, who would be a better reflection of our kids. I was on a site visit yesterday and I met a young woman, Latina. She so young dude she was like 24 i'm like you could be my child <laughs> which is <laughs> wild to me uh but, but my aging issues uh notwithstanding um you know it was just really interesting because um the principal's like yeah she's um you know she's in her second year as a teacher but before that you know she started as a sweeper part-time after school when she was 15 and so she swept, you know, and then she came in as a paraprofessional and then she worked as a para and we got her into our para to teacher program. So yeah, she's a second year teacher, but she's got nine years in our community and she's not mm-hmm. going anywhere. And so I think that piece is really, um, really powerful and valuable. I think while I have you both here, just genius people um from a similar umbrella demographic it's really funny because there are so many like parallels to this idea of asian american just like latinx right or latine or latinos where i'm kind of like i mean yeah there's us but you know my guy diego who's colombian and came here as a refugee we are not the same like Mm -hmm. we're the same in some key ways um but the idea, and I remember, and John, you'll be happy to know, I redropped um, the episode that you all did a couple of years ago um, in the in the wake of the first months of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, this idea of disaggregating in our minds, yeah. at least that, that that there's this kind of uniqueness. I, I forgot what I was going to ask. Um, I think um, this is the experience of. Well, I'll, if you don't mind, like no, I don't mind. <laughs> anybody who's out there, who's who's, you know nodding along and saying yeah it's it is ridiculous that this giant diaspora of people is all bunched together um that's one of the things that we all need to be pushing for in our states and in our profession um disaggregating data by um just narrower and narrower more specific groups whether it's ethnic or racial whatever else in in utah for example i've I've been pushing with our state board for years to to disaggregate the data you know, they, they, they broke it down from Asian American Pacific Islander to there's Asian American data and there's Pacific Islander data. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a pretty sizable Pacific Islander population in Utah because of the, the Mormon church and, and their work in, in mm-hmm. you know, sending missionaries in the Pacific. And um, it's a really strong population here at my school as well. But when you look at, you know, academic performance among, uh, kids identified as Asian American, there's a big difference between those kids who come from East Asia, like Korea, Japan, China, and those in my classroom who are Southeast Asian refugees. And, yeah. and their needs are often lost because their data is subsumed by the, the by the broader population. And people oh, like, look at, that look at how the subsumed. Asians are, are, are doing so well in school. Like you look at these kids, they're all doing great. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've got kids in, who are in dire straits needing additional supports because they didn't immigrate here. Their families had to flee to the United States and they came with less than, than they, they came with what they could carry with them. And they are trying to uh, establish a better life for their children, but their children are not necessarily getting what they need because they, they aren't seen. 
and they aren't recognized in the way that they need to. So wherever yeah. you're at, if you can do anything to push for, for making sure that all kids are seen, um, that's, that's, that's good work. That's something that we should all be engaged in right now. If we really want to honor uh, different populations this month, let's take the time to recognize them, see them, and then draw attention to them, draw, yeah. you know, shine yeah. a light upon them. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, you know, because I think one thing that, you know, I've tried to really understand and teach myself a little bit better is that even if people identify similarly demographically there, you know, there are individual experiences and there are nuances to all that stuff. So what are your thoughts on the demographic reality that's constructed around Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm just watching the Twitter discourse and how so many of Pacifica people are, are calling for a separate month, like give us yeah. our own month. I'm like, yeah, no doubt. I think so. I think that there is this bias towards a geographic um, organization outside of the U.S. to to create heritage months and certain things, but there's it's so it's so much deeper than that. Mm. And I don't think that the Asian American experience parallels that of the Pacific Islander experience. And mm-hmm. I would like to see equitable discourse mm-hmm. whenever we talk about these issues, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just really interesting because we, you know. Whether we're talking about missionary impact on folks in in this group, whether we whether we're talking about, I mean, I think about um, the ways in which Filipinos and Chicanos are so tightly connected in in the history of California. Like literally, Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta and Fred Ross were like, "Man, we got to be really careful. We got to plan this strike like years in advance." And the Filipinos are like, "Oh hell no, we're gonna walk camp mm-hmm. right now." And mm-hmm. that like kind of made this whole sort of thing. And so you even see today in South Central where where Chicanos and Filipinos are like, they are often, first of all, often mistaken for each other um, because how can you be Asian and have a Spanish last name? Yeah, exactly. So weird. Was your mom from Mexico? Like what's going on? You know? And so you get, you get that kind of ignorance. Um, The the thing too, that, um, so when you, you, I, I think, I think the thing that drew me to want to have you in this conversation with us is that you've got this powerful, uncompromising voice of social justice. And in a time where I would say that the brighter the spotlight is on folks, the more moderate folks sometimes become. Um, And, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's a direct, it's a directive saying you represent this employer this organization, this job, you need to carry yourself in a certain way. Other times it's really implicit. Other times we're just really afraid, like, like doxing is real and harassment is real. And um, you were, by, by the way, y'all read the piece about um, the camp that yeah. Whitney did with, with girls going through STEM. Uh, was it specifically um, AANHPI uh, It was not girls? specifically. But okay, so we, just had, a, a, we had a, a good amount of AANHPI identifying. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, referring the way John did, like, there's going to be a bunch of people nodding right now when yeah. we talk about how the life of a woman identifying person on social media is just different. It's just different mm-hmm. from what cishet men often experience. But, um, but, but that, that, that voice that you had, those pieces that you wrote on Ed Surge, let's talk a little bit about how yeah. that voice really materialized for mm-hmm. you 
And uh, when is your book coming out that maybe you're not aware that you're writing? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So I was very fortunate to get the Voices of Change Fellowship from Ed Surge. I didn't, let's be honest, I didn't even know Ed Surge was a thing until they interviewed me at Washington Week. I was like, oh. Oh, that, that's so funny. Oh, man. So Washington Week being for the Teachers of the Year. That's um, where I made one of our senators mad. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I need to hear that it's story. It's a good job. Too. Oh, yeah, it's a good absolutely. story. It's a good story and a bad senator. Um, go ahead. Well, you know, <laughs> that happens too. Um, yeah, so when I when I found out that there was this fellowship and it was kind of in its infancy, but it, it was an opportunity for me to delve into something that I really like to do. So through the National Teacher of the Year program, there was a lot of opportunities to speak. And John, I think you may have mm -hmm. experienced this as well. A lot of opportunities to speak, but not a lot of opportunities to actually get across messages. Mm. I, I don't know. Mm. That's how I felt mm. through the opportunity. Like I, there was some niceties. My people, my, my people would help me like craft what I want to say. How do I want to say this? My state department of education was very, very supportive in whatever I wanted to say and whatever I felt that I could do that as an individual and they would support that. But at the, at the national level, it just felt a little bit more like, huh, stay here, please. So mm -hmm. um, it's like, we, search, want our, we want our photo op. We want our photo yeah. op. Let's get a great inspirational quote from you and now keep it moving. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of discourse um, undercurrents about like who was selected and the imagery that we presented throughout the opportunity. And then I felt like, you know, now's the time for me to actually, I have this, this platform. I have, I'm a little bit known more nationally and now I can push, a, push the conversations yeah. more. I've had a lot of conversations with other teachers of the year from Hawaii. And every time I would put out an article, they're like, I think you could go deeper. And I was like, <laughs> okay, let's do this. <laughs> and I had an amazing editor to the Ed Search Fellowship yeah. and they just were like, you can go deeper. And I'm like, okay, let's keep going. And my editor even said, like, I think throughout the year, I was able to find my voice, find my footing and figure out where I wanted to position myself in yeah. terms of pushing conversations forward. Yeah. I was very fortunate. I think you're referencing a few of my articles where the one on settler colonialism triggered mm -hmm. a lot of people. I got oh, bet. on Facebook. I think one of the, one of the postings got over 1400 comments. And mm. with the settler colonialism piece, I, I'm going to be really honest with you. I, that made me feel some type of way. And I'm like, what? I have my phone. I'm like, man, I'm going to read. Oh, damn. She right though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, she is so right. And I, and I think really like, and, and I'll tell you what, what sort of triggered me a little bit was that I still haven't gotten to a place where I have sufficiently confronted my own proximity to whiteness mm -hmm. and how my proximity to whiteness, having a white mother, hi mom, my mom listens by the way. Um, and it gives me feedback. Um, but how having a white mother really did open doors for me in ways that were both psychological for me, where I'm kind of like, well, I'm half white. I belong here. Maybe y'all don't, but I do. And to the point where I would shun that and be like, well, nobody, nobody thinks I'm white. So like, forget that. But what whiteness is more than just so as somebody who felt some type of way when I saw that that headline, when I read it, I was like, 
man, she may be up on this podcast. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, I interrupted you because I was enthused. I apologize. It's fine. Thank you. I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate the feedback. That's not telling me to move to Antarctica. You know, I, that's the kind of feedback that I was getting. And, and it's the first time that I actually got a lot of more negative feedback than positive. Yeah. So having to actually sit with myself and be like, am I okay with this? Yeah. Can I move forward in this experience? Am I safe? And so that, that ties into that whole cybersecurity oh, experience. Like, am I safe? Am mm-hmm. I, is my family safe by me being a little bit more yeah. um, outspoken about these issues? So I had to well, really you, sit with myself with that. Yeah. I, well, and that, that's a piece that really gets me deep because, and I don't know if it's that people online just feel more comfortable coming for women than they do for men. Um, I have had some experience with that, but at the end of the day, like it dissipates pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. so, you know, that yeah. that's, it just goes to show that the, that the internet is heavily um, skewed uh, towards patriarchy and towards those kinds of things. Um, yeah. You also wrote a piece that I found really powerful um, that, that I actually uh, read this morning on um, why the access to abortion is really about teaching science honestly and factually um that was really powerful i imagine you may have gotten a little bit of blowback for that i didn't get as much i think that Hmm. it was it was one of my first articles too and i i was just trying to find my footing i felt that it was it was timely like when they asked me like you have to submit an article soon i'm like what what is happening and at that point it was really about the retraction of roe versus wade and like I, as a biology teacher, I teach that you have body autonomy no matter what. And that if you take someone's bodily autonomy away, then you are infringing on someone's rights. So I thought like, I have to put something into the conversation, especially as a science teacher. As someone who talks about anatomy, talks about physiology, as as often as I talk about like a plant. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, it's life. It's life, yeah. right? It's life. And I like how in the piece you talk about how, you know, there is a scientific way to explore the question of personhood, the question of when a life becomes sentient and those kinds of things. Like there is a scientific uh, discourse to participate in and there's scientific knowledge to be absorbed. I just found that piece to be so compelling because I think these bad actors who are trying to end public education, frankly, um, would like us to stop being so direct with what these issues are. And man, you're doing it. It's it's Mm -hmm. beautiful. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to give Whitney a little shout out for something else she's doing and uh, just throw some flowers her way. We have uh, started in, in, our, in our State Teacher of the Year uh, family, uh, there's an affinity group now that Whitney started with our friend TK, right? And Here, there's some flowers. I just threw yeah. some flowers in the Zoom thing. So okay. Those digital flowers <laughs> still feel good. Yeah, they, I mean, they smell far, like nothing, but they they hit you, they hit you here. No, I was told they smelled like something. <laughs> oh, and Zoom, do better. But no, seriously, like yeah, you know, we've, we've been talking about disaggregating data, looking at people and groups separately, and 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 shining light on them. But you also, at the same time that you're writing these powerful pieces and trying to draw attention to these 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 questions and issues that are that are both professionally and personally important to you, you're also trying to build community. You're trying to bring people together in a very real way you're putting us together in in zoom rooms you're you're having uh you're, you're giving us the opportunity to build community with each other and i i just want to ask you 
how the hell do you find time for all this? Like, what? <laughs> What on like does time? Move I don't know how either of you find the like, time to do. Like, what is there, you do. Is there like, twenty eight hours on the island? Because I you're... I just think that we're so fortunate in Hawaii. You know, like we're just we just have <laughs> six more hours than the East Coast. You know, you 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 are <laughs> crushing it. And and I, in all seriousness, I do want to ask you with with these questions of you know, am I safe in your writing and and so on, like. One, why is it so important to you to do the kind of work that brings people together? And two, how do you make time for it while at the same time making sure that you're not only safe, but you're, you're also taken care of and you're, you're able to do all the things that you also love? I just want to point out that this is a sub that's definitely going on, on the callback list. Like we'll definitely call this sub back. I'm going to leave a, my, my sub number on the, uh, on the paper. Yeah, the no, I appreciate floor. it. And uh, we'll text you ahead of time. Uh, yeah, so that's a great question, John. What do you say, Whitney? Um, let's see. Um, there's, I guess, like I feel so impassioned by the community that was built through the Teacher of the Year program. When we went up for 2022, there was seven of us, I think seven or eight of us, and I felt instant community through that. Typically, when I go to conferences, and I don't know, do you do the same thing? Maybe it's just me. I walk in conferences. I'm like, okay, where's the non-white people that I can sit with? No, 100 percent, 100 percent. Like and who I'll, looks I, like me? Who's gonna I've talk moved to me? when like white folks sat by me. I'm like, okay, I haven't done that much. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm a, little bit, a little bit nicer you, than that. Yeah, you're both nicer than but, I. Am. <laughs> but I think at Washington Week was the first time we got together as a cohort. We ended up on the breakfast table. It was always like this. Oh, here's the API breakfast table, and for better or worse, it was just an opportunity to to engage in a community that I didn't know I had, I didn't know I needed, and I didn't know that it would be a community that would sustain me moving forward. And so that's why it's so important for me to continue that and for ha to help my students be able to find that community for themselves as well. And I recognize that I may not be the, the leader or participant in the community that they need, that's and right. I have to be okay with that. Mm. It's not, it's not about you individually. It's not about mm -hmm. me. And it's about how mm -hmm. do I create spaces in which they can participate with each other and not necessarily centered around me. I mean, it, it's, it's not about you, but it's absolutely about how you choose to move in spaces. And I would venture to say that your school, your cohort, your community would be really different if it wasn't you. Mm -hmm. You know, they, like your absence would be one that was felt. And uh, that's... Amazing stuff. This is good. Like I've been like, I don't know, I've been in my feelings lately. So but like, this I, I'd is... like to talk about this idea of safety. Like I think that it's yeah, important yeah, for us as we as we move forward in social media and encouraging people who are are recognized educators. Are they safe now? I mean, in the conversations with banned books and yeah, literally banning ideas and yeah. and identities. It's it's ridiculous to me. I get so frustrated. But now I've never thought about how safe we have to be. And so when I got yeah. a lot of, I got a lot of, I don't know, John, you want to talk about this? When you were named a finalist, were you a thirst trap? Thirst trap. Well, <laughs> he's not going to. I've been waiting. I can waiting answer that for, question. I've been waiting oh, a couple of years yeah. <laughs> for you to ask me this question. Oh, okay. There's the question. <laughs> no, were well, you thirst I'll, trap or were you, we're, what kind of I'll, DMs did you get? Oh, people. What people kind of DMs did I get? People find John very attractive. Like I I'm not even going to. Yeah. 
No, I, I was just looking for like a babysitter for my daughters. And so I was just trying to like transition them into that. Yeah, you want to come over? Come over. And I'll, I'm going to leave at eight. You were I'll just be back at 1030 with my wife. DMs. Just make sure that you, you, you read them a story, sing them a song before they go mm. to bed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. uh, clearly you felt life. safer. <laughs> yeah, you felt safer. You invited them well, over. It's an interesting thing. Like, it's a great question because there's, there's a lot of different ways that, that we are made to feel unsafe. Right. Mm -hmm. And that one, I, I have, I've received messages. I'm sure that like, I mean, everybody receives messages, but I've never felt threatened mm -hmm. by mine. And I don't know if it's just because my, 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 my position as a, as you know, I identify as a man and I, I, I've been, you know, I learned Taekwondo when I was three years old and I've been, I've been studying my whole life. And I, there's, a, there's an interesting thing where like, I, I had a I had a guy come to my school looking for me during my during my year of service, and I I'd, I'd made some uh, comments at the school board, and people had like there had been pictures taken in my classroom, and you can see over my wall over my shoulder I've got signs on my wall saying "Stop Asian Hate" and "Welcoming yeah. Dreamers," "Black Lives Matter," "Safe Schools for Everyone," and someone had seen this, and they 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 came looking to have a conversation with John Arthur, hmm. and and I I I was able to defuse the situation. My administrator also talked to him yeah. on the sidewalk, but I, I left the situation recognizing how incredibly fortunate I am that at no time in that situation, did I personally feel um, like I was in danger and I, I probably should have, it's probably just like, you know, just this inflated sense of, of safety that the men get to walk around with. Um, mm. but, uh, I imagine what it would be like if, if my dear friends, like Juliana, the, the national teacher of the year had a similar situation, just any teacher, especially right now, I, I teach in a red state in Utah, people are up in arms about books and all the other topics. And, and there are, there are teachers who, who just go home every day feeling scared. They're, yeah. they're afraid of what's going to show up in their inbox and they're afraid of who's going to walk in their door. Yep. And, and as we have this conversation, I, I want to hear like how you handle yeah. that feeling, but I also just want to know uh, what, what do you say to people in a time where, whether you're, whether you have notoriety or not, there's still a target on the backs of teachers cool. and, and with, with notoriety, you do get, community you get people who know you and who can look out for you what do you do for what do you say to people who are just out there trying to do their best by children and and for that reason alone they they now have to look over their shoulder couple couple of things right i know yeah. that makes me so sad to think yeah about. what do you do for you and what do you do for them or Absolutely. what do you want to say to them so like i was saying earlier that i i got a lot of positive DMs and not positive. I got a lot of images. That was that was not positive. Mm. But a lot of DMs mm. um, when I was, you know, in that in that realm. And then moving on to like the Facebook comments and thinking like you are a you are a person who has your first and last name on <laughs> on a website. You're doing this in front of God and everybody. <laughs> yes, apparently that's that's their person. So I I was. I felt a bit unsafe when they started talking about, they would say comments, like they would use my name in it, or mm -hmm. they would 
it wasn't just about the headline, but they would read certain things of the article and mention it about my personal space. And I'm, I'm just thinking like, that's yeah. a little bit closer because I want to drive conversation, but I don't want to drive actual people towards me or towards my family, towards the school community. I want everyone to yeah. be safe. Yeah. So these are conversations that I've had to unpack with my mother and some other people like, what, what are the boundaries that I'm going to share about myself and share about my identity in order to push conversation and where do I have to stop yeah um but then you know you think about you but people who are doing well by kids and right by kids every single day and they are not pushing boundaries they are they are people who are honoring identities and to think that in today's in today's educational society we have to we have to like hug those who are just honoring identities mm-hmm. is frustrating to me. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to hug those who are doing right by kids. Yeah. If they want to be hugged. If they also, be, right. 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 You know what I mean? Like I just, <laughs> I'm like, yes. I will fist bump and you, too, you know, consent. Yes. with good. consent. Yeah. With no, I mean, consent, I, yeah. yes. Absolutely. I I think that something came up in one of my research classes that I took last quarter. Um, The professor, Dr. Tabron, shout out, you're amazing, Uh, miss you, Um, where she started with a Toni Morrison quote, where she says, we start from a place of existence. And in a very real way, these folks want to erase us um, as members of the global majority um, from existence. And, and I think that, you know, those are the things that I want the teachers that I support and that I'm talking to, I'm on a phone call every couple of days with a teacher in crisis. And it's like, well, first we're going to start with that you exist and that you have a right to exist. And second, second, the students in your classroom have a right to exist as well. And you are starting from a place of existence. Um, so, uh, so Whitney Aragaki, 2022 Hawaii Teacher of the Year, National Teacher of the Year finalist. We got to get John on his anniversary weekend. So we okay. <laughs> are going to move. Okay. So like we've talked about settler colonialism. We've talked about bodily autonomy, but now we got the real controversial question coming up. Uh, Kevin is not here. Um, so I'm going to do my best to do justice to it. We on Two Dope Nation our children of the hip hop generation. In fact, hip hop is my sibling. We grew up together. Um, I don't always approve of what my sibling does, but I always love my sibling. Um, And so we want to put this in front of you and say, top five rappers. Um, We also expand it beyond the realm of hip hop because we know that even though in the words of MC Light, hip hop is life, but it it ain't all for me, right? Um, and so we want to do that. Now there's some ground rules here. Uh, and the number one rule is that there are no rules. It does not have to be hierarchical because hierarchy is a white supremacy. It does not have to be limited to five because, um, because we need to, we need to apply critical quantitative, uh, methods to our list. So, uh, what we like to put in place is what I like to call the Eric Hale rule, uh, where Eric Hale, 2021 Texas teacher of the year was asked for a top five. And he's like, well, my top five is this. And he's like, I have a three-way tie for two and a nine-way tie for three and a four-way tie for four. And then he's like, but if it was a top 10, it would be this. And if it was a, t- he must've named 25 rappers in <laughs> his top five. That was a good five. episode. 
it was really funny. It was wild. I didn't know oh. him that well at that point. <laughs> and then I realized that's a hundred percent on brand for Eric. Um, it also doesn't have to represent the the duration of your entire life, Whitney. Like we know that this, we know that music changes and we know that there's the, in, if we catch you in a moment, like you may have Taylor Swift's midnights like on repeat. I'm not talking about anybody specifically on this call uh, <laughs> and, you know, catch people in a moment. You might hear things that that, mm -hmm. you know, are sticking with you. So with that. Whitney, what is your top five? I would say us, that you can give us some context, too. If you I'll want. give you some context. I think that the the choices that I have made are need need a little bit more. So yeah, okay. <laughs> first one I'm gonna put out is Lincoln Park. Lincoln Park. This is the first time Lincoln Park has shown up on our top five. And Kevin is it really me? Yes. Because Kevin, because Kevin is a hater and Kevin likes to shame my musical taste. So whenever I bring up bring up Lincoln Park, he starts laughing. Oh like, my gosh. Well, this I know. is a an HPI heritage mm -hmm. month. So we're gonna exactly. honor mm -hmm. Lincoln Park in the end is one of my favorite. Um mm -hmm. Favorite songs. I listen to it just represent Go when I'm it. ready to, to give something. Like I'm gonna be a Lincoln Park tribute yeah. podcast right now. Lincoln Park, there you it. go. And so because that I love Mike Shinoda. I think that he is yes. a lyrical genius. And mm. when he went with Fort Minor and he yeah. did the song Kenji, I yes. felt seen. I felt like I felt that our stories are being told as a Japanese American in this country. The more I listen to it, the more it makes me cry, the more it makes me um, impassioned to do the work that I do and mm. fight for the cause. That's beautiful. Oh. Uh, Fort Minor. I stand Fort Minor. Uh, that's how my soccer teams always got fired up was obviously, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the name of the song. I could recite it, but uh, anyway, it's your top five. So what else we got? <laughs> so we got Kenji by Fort Minor. We got In the mm -hmm. End by Linkin Park. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, a throwback for me is always Pepper. I don't know how many people listen to Pepper, but Pepper is from Hawaii, from Kona, there you go. and I just I love them. Trade Winds is one of my favorite songs, and they do some they do some like mix of Hawaiian hip hop things. But Trade Winds is my favorite. Dope, it brings me back dope, every man. single time. Mm. I think I played this at my wedding. It was just like oh. it's one of those songs that I I love so much. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that track. I got to get on okay. that. It's, this it's is this is the other thing it is lets me learn more music sorry well, i keep i was gonna say if you if yeah, you look ahead. at like all the songs and all the the mcs that have been added to your like pool here gerardo like this is adding some flavor that, that oh 100 no it's great this this <laughs> is great. taking it in another direction i mean i think you can really know people through their music and you know it gives you a window and and it's beautiful and and by the way listeners as you know uh we will post an episode playlist uh, that will be a combination of of the tracks that Winnie recommends, along with uh, my own explorations. John, feel free to add to that list as you explore these. All right, so we got we got three. We got we got okay. Pepper. We got Lincoln Park. Mm -hmm. We got Fort Minor. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going to throw in some um, Hawaii based artists. So yes. I'm going to put in Kaikena Scanlan and his song Aali. Okay. So this was my this was my theme song during my Teacher of the Year journey. And Aali'i is a shrub that grows in very harsh conditions. It can grow in very harsh conditions, but it can thrive. And whenever we think about this, we think about Sunny Strong, we think about Onipa'a, yeah. we think about um, the, the strength and the wisdom that our ancestors have given to us. So Aali'i, 
by Ka'i Kena Scanlan. Ali, mm -hmm. Ka'i Lena Scanlan. All right. And, and the last one I'm going to throw in for you, just, just because, you know, we're in Hawaii, I'm going to put in Kaulana Napua. And Kaulana okay. Napua is, um, it's about the flowers, the children, the, the flowers that are our children, are our future. It is recorded multiple times because it was written during the overthrow, the Hawaiian uh, overthrow. It was written, um, they also called it, what was it? Mele Aipohaku. And Mele Aipohaku means the stone eating song. And the stone eating ooh. song because the citizens of Hawaii, of the kingdom, said that they would rather eat stones than give up to American colonization and annexation. So, Kalananapua is a beautiful song. And sometimes I hear it like in the grocery store or I hear it like playing <laughs> in a hotel. And I'm thinking, like, do you know what they're saying? They're saying <laughs> it's, it's like anti colonial. <laughs> and it's just like, that is the key that. You know, the key to Hawaiian, the Hawaiian Renaissance is that they, they still make beautiful music so that white people are like, oh, pretty. And then they're just saying, do not sign. Do not sign the annexation. Do not do it. I would rather eat rocks. <laughs> but yes. like, oh, yeah, do not sign. Sing the song. That I mean, that so, that's, yeah, it's, it's that like the, you know, I, I have a friend who teaches in this building. Um, I had a really hard year last year and like leaving the classroom was the right move for my mental health. Yeah. And I remember her saying she's uh, she's Jamaican. And I remember her saying to me um, in this forceful and loving way, do not let them take your smile. Uh -huh. And, you know, I think that's, you know, there's policies that we need to pass. There is harm that we need to prevent and undo. But at the end of the day, like you're not going to take my joy and you're not going to mm -hmm. take um, my anti-colonial songs that slap <laughs> um, and then I'm going to make happen. Um, John thoughts on this top five. Love to hear well, your, your comments. Your, your comment just now, brother, about they're not, you know, don't let them take your smile. Feels like the perfect encapsulation yeah. of this whole conversation where it's all about identities and safety. And, you know, there's a lot of things out there that, that are troubling there's a lot of things that are problematic, but in those times, you gotta you gotta dedicate time to finding your people, to building community, to having conversations like this with not just those who, you know, it's important that we have conversations that are deep and powerful with people we disagree with, people that we need to move. But it's also important to have conversations like this where we can honor each other, we can celebrate each other and make sure. That that we're putting a smile on each other's faces. I love it because it's it. it is it is awful easy to lose that smile sometimes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. this 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 top five list, it, it makes me smile. There's there there's go. so many times where I listen and it's a it's a top five list that that I that resonates with me because it it it's also something that I appreciate and love. That's just like shouting out people that I'm already super familiar with. This one is is sending me to the Spotify. On my on my way to the anniversary <laughs> weekend, I'm going to be there doing some go. serious research and listening, and yeah. well, that, uh, I, I mean, can't I, thank you, you enough for that. Whitney, also thank spend you. time with your spouse. That's really yes. important. Um, no, I'm going to share with her. Yeah, there Wonderful. you go. <laughs> Love it, uh, Whitney Argaki. Thank you so much for coming on Two Dope Teachers and a Mic uh, Sunshine. Thank you for yes, subbing sir. today. Uh, thanks for covering my class. I owe you one. 
Um, and, you. Uh, no, thank you that. for letting me work with your people. This has been uh, it's a good, it's a good time. So, uh, Whitney, how do people find your work? Is there a way that you prefer folks who want to learn more about you engage with you? Not yes. in DMs, please. Not in DMs, <laughs> but openly, publicly on Twitter at Sayuri underscore Neko. Those are my Japanese names. And they can find me at WhitneyAragaki.com. Awesome. So check it out at WhitneyAragaki.com. There's a whole bunch of materials that she's written. Um, you can reach out to her to do some work with your district and those kinds of things. Um, so Whitney, the last thing we do, and John, you know this part, is I'll ramble just a little bit. I'll give you a signal and then we will attempt as internet connectivity allows to say stay dope together. All right. Does that make sense? So yes, for 2022 Hawaii Teacher of the Year and National Teacher of the Year finalist, Whitney Aragaki. For my guy, Sunshine, John Arthur, 2021. Utah Teacher of the Year and National Finalist in 2021. I am merely Gerardo Munoz. I am asking you to stay safe, stay vigilant, stay connected to the ancestors in the community. Stay in touch with the ways in which you benefit and suffer in these societies. Stay with the people. Stay smiling. But above all, make sure that you always... Stay, Stay double. double.